are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is a Thursday edition of Locked On NBA. David Locke along with author extraordinaire and Washington Post national columnist Ben Golliver. Locke, it's great to be here. I was informed by your Friday Locked On NBA host today, Anthony Irwin, that you and he have a big raging battle for who can get the most listens. So I think that you and I need to step up our hottest takes today to try to surpass Anthony and rub it in his face. I didn't know this was a battle, but I'm glad to participate. Well, it's a little bit of a misleading battle because he gets all of Saturday and Sunday too, right? Oh, I see. Okay. Like if you can give a guy three days, then maybe he can actually equal (laughs) what you and I are able to do. All right, let's start it off. There's, I mean, we are loaded with games. We've got all of our locked on experts around. We're just going to start off right away with our first locked on now of the night. And we're going to bounce through the games to get the reaction. Probably the game of the night was one of the last ones of the night. Denver and Portland. Let's go to Mike Richmond, see what he had to say about the Blazers losing to Denver. What up, y'all? It's pass first point guard, host of Lockdown Blazers, Mike Richmond. Well, for the second straight night, the Blazers take a Western Conference playoff team down to the wire, and for the second straight night, they lose by one on a shot that rims out of the buzzer. On Tuesday night, it was CJ McCollum missing against the Los Angeles Clippers. And then on Wednesday, Norman Powell's floater rims out at the buzzer, catches iron, and the Blazers lose. There was a stretch there where the Blazers weren't competitive against playoff teams. They've kind of shaken that. Now they look pretty good, like, you know, competent against the upper echelon of the West. But moral victories don't count in the standings. The Blazers need some sort of validation for playing better, and right now they're not getting that. Instead, they're catching L's. It, uh, they won't be rewarded in the playoff seeding if they can't figure out a way to shake some of these and come out on the other side like they were early in the season. Uh, maybe this is their clutch luck catching up with them, but in any case, another tough loss on Wednesday night. Make sure you listen to Lockdown Blazers for more. I would go with actually that last little note that Mike had there is probably up, being the truth of the matter, and that is that they were so ridiculously clutch that not everything can fall for an entire season. I do think there's two really interesting questions in this game and want to chat with you about it, Ben. One is Denver's still winning. And what do we make of that? Like, they lost Jamal Murray. They Everyone put out their obituaries and their various pieces on Jamal Murray. They're, they're still winning. And then Portland, I like, and think teams are scared of in the playoffs. Let's start with Denver. I'll, I, no, don't do the bad media thing and ask two questions at once. So what's your take on Denver? 106-105. They're 7-1 and one since they've had Aaron... Gordon with it without Jamal Murray, they're seven and one. I mean, they're, they're still winning. Yeah. So my take would be that I think that Jamal Murray's presence will be felt more pulling down their ceiling in the postseason than it necessarily alters who they are as a regular season team. They're still very good. Now, can they be elite championship quality without Murray? I think that's a completely fair question, but I mean, Jokic was an absolute monster. And what I want to highlight from this game down the stretch from Jokic Clutch plays on both ends. I mean, he was really in aggressive attack mode late, drawing multiple fouls on Yusuf Nurkic. And, you know, the Blazers fans certainly are going to say, well, were they really fouls? It was pretty close. I mean, Jokic is so crafty, and and he was able to earn his trips to the foul line. And that was sort of Denver's offense late. It was was all Jokic all the time, just playing really high IQ basketball on that end. 
But defensively, Locke, he had a number of stops and smart plays in, in tough situations. There was a jump ball with kind of a run out. He was able to get back into position and do a really nice job contesting a shot late. Uh, he was also able to clear a big defensive rebound as well. And there was another scramble situation and kind of semi-transition late. He did a great job of moving his feet, not getting called for that defensive foul. And, and sometimes, you know, it's, it's tough for those big guys when you're, when you're trying to retreat against smaller, quicker players. And he was just kind of all over the map. Both teams kind of struggled with the late game execution and, you know, and decision-making down the stretch. But ultimately, it was just the case of Jokic being the best player on the court. And that's why I still think they're dangerous and they're going to be able to hold on to a pretty solid playoff seed as they're heading forward in the next three or four weeks going into the playoffs. And that's why I think you can't count them out in a first-round series either. They're not going to be an easy out. Playoff Jokic, to me, if you put all the players in the draft and said, okay, who do you want for this upcoming postseason? Uh, you know, you might take LeBron, you might take KD, you might take Anthony Davis over Jokic. You're not taking anybody else over him. The guy is a playoff monster. He steps up. He's doing it with his own scoring. And, of course, he's a sensational passer. So I give him a lot of credit for keeping them afloat. And he's just one of those guys where you can cycle the players, you know, in and out of the lineups around him. He's still going to find a way to get wins night in, night out. It's Denver versus the Lakers in the first round. Like, it's almost set at this point. There's two and a half game yep. gap on one side of Denver, and there's a three game gap on the other. So it's, it's, you really think the Nuggets are going to be able to push the Lakers? For sure. Definitely. Why not? I mean, I think the Lakers face plenty of questions themselves. Now, they're getting Anthony Davis back this week, which is amazing news for them because they're going to have about a month for him to get back up to, to full speed 100%. They're really going to miss Murray in that series because the Lakers' defense is excellent, and they're going to be able to sell out, double-team, trapping Jokic, I mean, trying to make his life miserable, pound him a little bit, I mean, get physical and annoying like they did last year when, when Dwight Howard was in that role at the center spot. And the matchups are tough for Denver. I mean, they don't have great individual defenders for either LeBron James or Anthony Davis, but I don't think they're rolling over. I mean, I still think this is one of the best teams in the Western Conference, um, even without Murray. And, and more than anything, I think Jokic is just in hero mode right now. I mean, he's just doing absolutely everything. And when you have a player who's that good, writing him off, to me, that sounds like a dangerous proposition. This is Portland. This is Portland at full strength. Finally, we're seeing them at full strength, and they've lost 7 of 10. Who is Portland? Well, you nailed it, and I think Mike Richmond nailed it on his uh, on the segment that you played. The clutch stuff was bound to catch up with them for sure, and this is a classic case because they have the game-winning shot. It just rims off three inches one way or another, and we're talking about them winning this dramatic victory and getting kind of a signature win against a team that's above them in the standings that they've struggled to you know win against all season long. If you're saying who is Portland – I think Portland's the team everybody wants to play in the postseason. You know, they could easily drop out of that sixth spot. They could fall into the play-in. If they do, I'm not sure there's a guarantee they come out of that play-in at this point. The defense has just been a mess, you know, even as they're starting to get some of these guys back. I'm just not sure that they can kick it up enough of a notch to match up with the, the West's best teams. And, uh, you know, I think that unfortunately, like, you know, they're, they're fading kind of right on schedule because the, the clutch stuff that really drove their record when they're having this amazing plus 500 record, but, you know, negative point differential is coming back to, to get them here a little bit. And they just need Dame to play at an A-plus. He wasn't at an A-plus tonight, and, and they drop a game here uh, against Denver as well. But, you know, I think it's, you know, if you're Phoenix in that two seed and Portland drops to seven, I think you're feeling great about that if you're the Phoenix Suns. I think you'd rather play Portland than almost anybody else who's in that, that mix right now. 
And I guess, you know, from the flip side, if you're Portland, you'd probably rather play Phoenix than the Clippers or uh, Denver or certainly Utah. Uh, but I, I do think that, uh, you know, Portland, to me, they're looking like a, a team that's going to have a hard time getting out of the first round this year. It just doesn't really seem like it's their year from a defensive standpoint um, and just, you know, from a consistency standpoint uh, against quality teams. It's interesting. I mean, the playing game as of right now looks like it would be Portland versus Memphis if Memphis hangs in. And then Golden State, San Antonio, if Golden State hangs, I mean, we know the playoff teams because New Orleans can't win games, and so that makes them a really problematic team. In the NBA, they have, like, great rosters every year. They actually just don't ever win games, um, which is important. So they are. So we know that the Memphis, Golden State, and San Antonio are playing teams. And then the question is whether it's Portland or Dallas in there. And then in obviously what order for 7 versus 8 versus 9 versus 10. It's It gets pretty interesting. Um, Memphis today. It, it, it really does. And we could see, um, by the way, we could see Golden State hop over Memphis. It's possible. You know, I mean, they've had, so they, they lost tonight against Washington, kind of a befuddling loss for them. They've had some real uh, momentum. Steph Curry's been playing great. They've looked a lot better. Their lineups fit better without Wiseman. So I could see some upward momentum there. Uh, but at the same time, Memphis got Jaron Jackson Jr. back. So maybe that's a late season push for them too. By the way, one thing we have not, I've not heard a lot of people talk about is the difference between eight and nine in where you finish in the standings is a pretty dramatic difference because nine, you have to win twice eight. You don't yep. Correct. like that's a big, that little late season. If there's a game in which changes eight versus nine, it makes a big difference. The other thing that happened in the West tonight was the Clippers without anyone won. Let's go find out more. What's going on Clips fans. Chuck Mockler here. One half of the hosting duo over at Locked On Clippers coming at you after yet another improbable win. I'm not entirely sure what to say about this one. The Clippers had 10 active players. They really only played nine of them. Luke Kennard had a season high. Yogi Ferrell made some great hustle plays. Things are good in Clipperland right now. Yet another win on the second night of a back-to-back. -back. If I was Memphis, I'd be pretty pissed off about this one. But luckily, we're Clippers fans. On to the Rockets. They won without Paul George, without Kawhi Leonard. They started Amir Coffey tonight. The Clippers like are just winning. And, and the Grizzlies started their lineup other than Jonas Valanciunas, who's been absolutely outstanding. So that's worth noting. But they... They literally started Terrence Mann, Amir Coffey, Morris, Zubak, and Kennard and played DeMarcus Cousins 14 minutes, who had 10 rebounds, Patrick Patterson, and Yogi Ferrell tonight. And they, the Clippers just won again. Yeah, you know, I, I think that this maybe says something about Memphis. You know, I think all year we felt like they were overachievers, you know, and it's you're kind of trying to find explanations. How are they winning so many games consistently? And Jonas is right at the top of that list for sure. Um, I do wonder if they're kind of, you know, getting ready to fade here a little bit down the stretch and not a huge uh, amount, but they should have taken care of business in this one. Now for LA, the vibe has been really good lately. The offense has been absolutely off the charts. When the stars have played, they've been a little bit more aggressive off the dribble going to the basket than they were earlier uh, this season. And Rondo has had a huge impact um, since that trade deadline move. And that's looking like a really smart trade for them. Uh, you know, they're just best groups play better. And I don't think they really miss Lou Williams all that much as well. I think Lou Kennard jumps off the box score tonight. You know, when you trade Lou Williams, you're hoping that creates more opportunities for a guy like Lou Kennard, who earlier in the season wasn't always in the rotation. And, and you were kind of questioning the contract that he signed. Um, instead, he's been able to step up here in some key moments and, and looking like a rotation player for them and stepping up far more than anybody would have expected with 28 uh, to kind of lead the way for the Clippers in this victory. So, 
you know, I think the Clippers are kind of quietly, you know, I, I still don't feel like they get all that much attention. To me, they're still one of the very top contenders. They match up well with the other top three seeds. If I was Phoenix, I would not want to play them. If I was Utah, I'd be kind of scrambling to, to figure out how am I going to match up uh, with the Clippers stars. And if I was the Lakers, I'd say that the Clippers probably match up more cleanly with them than anybody in the conference right now. So um, they're a little bit below the radar. Of course, they're going to have to prove it once they get to the playoffs. And the skepticism is going to be totally warranted uh, given their performance in last year's playoffs and really their entire franchise history. Uh, but they're in a great groove right now. you got to give them that credit. I have the Clippers as the favorite in the West right now, just to share. Ooh, doubling down. You're taking me up the, a notch. I love it. When well, you I think they really, what they did is they got rid of their disc, their malcontents. Like they, yeah. like what's really interesting to me about this Clipper conversation is that everyone wanted to talk about how they were like team dysfunction last year and they all, but nobody ever decided they wanted to discuss why. Well, let me see what they've done. Montrez Harrell was let go and Montrez Harrell said publicly, they never even made an offer to me. Hmm. And then they first chance they could, they traded Lou Williams and they took back a brutal contract for a team that's in the luxury tax. Now, Balmer might not care, but they still took back a brutal contract. So they were certainly making an extra effort to trade Lou Williams. The previous Clipper team was Patrick Beverly, Lou Williams, and Montrezl Harrell. They were scrapping everything else, and they didn't like the stars coming in. It's really clear what happened to that team. They tried to meld two teams together. It didn't work. They've now meld. Now they have one team. It's Kawhi Leonard and Paul George's team, and they've been great ever since, addition by subtraction. And it's not because of anything, for that matter, that Rondo's put on the floor. It has to do with what they did in their locker room. So... Which matters. It's a fantastic point. And they gave up draft picks to get the Rondo trade done as well. You know, they just to, to add on to your point about moving Lou Williams. Um, I think the fit there has been pretty clean for Rondo, though, I would say. And I also think um, you're right. They were stuck in a kind of an identity transition and they've worked their way through it. So they're very dangerous. Uh, they still have some guys I don't necessarily trust. You know, I mean, Reggie Jackson makes me a little bit nervous in terms of what his role is going to be in the postseason. Kennard's going to have to prove it. Paul George is going to have to prove it, but I think the Clippers are also happy by and large with the health of their star players this year as well. You know, both Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are in better places physically this year compared to last year's regular season. And that's going to be huge for them because I think that makes their offense more dynamic. And it also raises their defensive ceiling in a postseason when you can have those guys really flying around, trusting their bodies and all that good stuff. Uh, let's be honest. There's only, well, all right, we'll be honest about the Clippers in one second because I need to pay a bill and tell you about Theragun and then I'll, we'll be honest <laughs> about the real issue with the Clippers and then we'll get to our other things we're going to talk about today. Theragun is a therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using scientifically calibrated combination of depth, speed, and power. And it's quiet as an electric toothbrush. It's pretty awesome. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't feel good. It gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. I use the Theragun a ton. I have a weird thing in my left quad and it just always hurts. And Theragun is the item that kind of works through that tissue and gets it. So it's better without having to in that muscle tension. So I, 
you know, it's like getting a massage at home instead of going out all the time to get one. Whether you treat your muscle tension from working out, injury, stresses, everyday life, there's no substitute for Theragun for the OLED screen and design. Make you feel like you're holding something from the future. Just go to their site, check it out. Theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines, which is really cool. Uh, Theragun is trusted by over 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid, elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, and Maria Sharapova. Try Theragun for 30 days starting for only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on right now. Get your Theragun for gun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on. That's theragun.com slash locked on. Today's show also brought to you by betonline.ag. We just were talking, Ben and I, about the various lines and who and the fact that Nuggets are still a force, the fact that Clippers are still there. Well, if you have thoughts on that, you might as well put your money where your mouth is or your thoughts are and get involved in all that. That's available at our good friends over at betonline.ag. And with the promo code locked on, you get a 50% welcome bonus. That's a 50% welcome bonus. They also do in-game live betting, all sorts of other events. that makes it even more fun. Check it out. Betonline.ag with the promo code locked on. We'll give you the uh, 50% welcome bonus, which is like free money. So that's really Really kind of cool. And the Pelicans are seven and a half point favorite tomorrow, despite the fact that they do everything well except for win basketball games. So that should be interesting to see whether they can do that. It's all at betonline.ag. That's betonline.ag. Promo code locked on. Ben, we were being nice and gentle there for you. There's only one question for the Clippers in the playoffs. Paul George. Paul George, it's the only question. Well, I was pondering that, you know, coming, you know, earlier tonight, actually, because there's been so many injuries in such an unpredictable season, and it's very possible we get to the playoffs, and not everybody's at full strength, and we get some unpredictable champions. And I know you're calling them the favorites right now in the West, but I was trying to picture, like, Paul George holding up that Larry O'Brien trophy or James Harden in Brooklyn holding up that Larry O'Brien trophy it wouldn't quite be like the Dirk situation where, you know, he got so much hate for years and years and years and kind of got to have that final moment of validation because I think he was so clearly the best player on that Mavs team that it was like the purest sense of, you know, changing your reputation as a winner in the eyes of your harshest critics. Right. But, you know, again, guys like Harden and Paul George are still going to be viewed, I think as second fiddles on their respective teams, but both those guys have a very legit chance of winning a title this season and I feel like both of those guys are still in that category where everyone is just going to be like, you have got to prove everything. You know, we're going to mock you on Twitter, call you playoff P and make all these jokes and just assume you're going to be, uh, you know, choking at various points of the postseason. But I do think we need to kind of open our mind, expand our horizons and say, you know, these, these both of those situations are very plausible. It, no, there's no question. But he his playoff history, I mean, game seven last year, four of 16 right? Five turnovers, two assists. Two years before Oklahoma City, Utah, knockout game, two of 16, six turnovers. Two year before that, five of 21, four turnovers. Like that's the, that, that's what holds them back. That, that is the only thing that holds them back. All right. We've had a bunch of other games tonight. They're all worth kind of, a bunch of them are worth talking about. I don't know what they're all talking about, but 
we probably need to jump on this because the Phoenix Suns are not going away. Two down, three to go. Five-game road trip through the East Coast for the Suns, and they win the first two. They win the ones that uh, I think a lot of Suns fans circled as the tough ones. Milwaukee on Monday, Philly on Wednesday here, 116-113. Chris Paul is the story of this game. Maybe this was an opportunity for him to remind these two uh, Eastern Conference contenders what they could have had, right? They were two teams that we thought maybe would be in the market for Chris Paul. They did not do that. The Suns swoop in. They get the point guard's talents. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe it was just knowing that they really needed it. Matisse Thibel just cloaking Devin Booker all night. No Ben Simmons, no Tobias Harris. It was defense plus Embiid. We know that's the recipe for the Sixers. The Suns recipe just won out tonight. Uh, Booker comes alive very, very late. Last minute or so, makes a couple key shots to win the game. The Suns' defense is enough on the other guys who are not Embiid. And two down, three to go. Like I said, we will see Boston play the Suns team tomorrow. Who knows what will happen? The Suns don't really plan on losing anytime soon by the looks of it. And uh, we'll enjoy the ride while it's here. For more on these Suns, listen to Locked on Suns, wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, so the bitter Jazz fan of me will point out that they got lucky that Giannis didn't play the overtime and that Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons didn't play tonight. But all of that is irrelevant because teams, they are taking advantage of every opportunity they can. And the Suns really are, they have five more hard games and they're their next five. They play Boston, then New York, then Brooklyn, then the Clippers, and then the Jazz. After that, they're not, they're scheduled. They don't lose another game after those five. If they get through this next five, three and two, four and one, they're the one seed. Yeah, um, you know, why do you say that? Are you you're feeling like Utah is going to have uh, a tougher stretch down they, the road? It's they just like don't. I mean, they don't. Basketball. They don't have any losses after that. The Jazz will. Just, I mean, you just lose games eventually. Like the Jazz will, even though the Jazz, I think, you know, are really struggling. They've won fifteen of their last nineteen. Um, so you know. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I mean, if you look at the the Jazz, just have some. San Antonio twice and at Denver, at Golden State, um, a Portland. They just have some lot. They have, you know, and at Phoenix, a Toronto at home. Like they just have some games they could lose. Well, I hear you. Look, Phoenix has been one of the most consistent teams all season long. It's been incredible the the degree of health that they've had with their main players and the availability for their main players. I mean, you, you reference that as being a factor tonight and, and in the previous game. It's completely true. Uh, you know, Chris Paul at the top of the list at his age. I mean, I know the diet stuff has gotten a lot of attention from him slimming down a little bit. Their minutes management on him all season long has been excellent. And I give a lot of credit to their bench for being able to step in and play those minutes and giving them lots of contributions. I didn't really see that coming, coming into this year. I didn't think their bench was going to be as good and as productive and as cohesive as it's been. And I think that's been a, a huge factor to kind of keep their consistency going you know, there was talk in that clip you played about just the importance of bringing Chris Paul in, how it sort of changed this franchise and, and along those lines. I kind of want to see the same thing for these New York Knicks. I mean, they've got a lot of positive momentum right now. I want them to go out and grab Kyle Lowry in free agency this summer. I, I want them to try to mimic this Chris Paul situation, bring in just a steadying force in the backcourt. I think he would fit pretty well with their younger players in Randall and R.J. Barrett from a uh, basketball fit standpoint. And they just kind of enhanced this reputation because I really do think Chris Paul has completely flipped our perception of the Suns upside down. We would have said you don't trust them late in games. We would have said they're super inconsistent. They underperformed their talent. They used to be sort of like New Orleans, right? You know, they look good on paper, but they can't actually get the job done. 
the Suns have been getting the job done, and I think they're going to be a threat again next year as well in terms of a team you have to take seriously. I would love to see New York follow a similar model. Look, Kyle Lowry's not as good as Chris Paul, but I think he would address a big hole for them and give them a really interesting core to play with here for the next couple of years and potentially help New York build on its positive momentum, but also you know, kind of shake off some of the lingering distrust of ownership and some of the resentment towards uh, past regimes that's kind of lingered there for a while. Brooklyn and Toronto played today. Are the Raptors making a playoff push? Let's check in with Sean Woodley. Hey, Sean Woodley here from Lockdown Raptors to break down the Raptors 114-103 win over the Brooklyn Nets on Wednesday night. And the big takeaway from this one is that the Toronto Raptors are back, baby. They got Kyle Lowry, Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, and Fred Van Vliet back in the lineup tonight. You know, just their four best players. No big deal. First time they've shared the floor together since March 29th. It's been a season from hell for the Raptors between a COVID outbreak, playing in Tampa, rest, injuries, all the stuff that kind of was in the follow-up of the COVID outbreak as they tried to get back up to speed. They finally get some semblance of health and stability tonight. They have centers now, which they haven't had all season, and Ken Birch and Freddie Gillespie giving really solid minutes across 48 total minutes at the center spot, blocking shots, rebounding, doing the things that bigs are supposed to do that Aaron Baines could not. And with all of that now in consideration, with some health, which has evaded the Raptors all season long, so it's a big, big if, but if the Raptors can you know, maintain reasonable health to, to close the season out here, they are the favorites to get the 10 seed in the Eastern Conference and make it into the play. And, and honestly, I wouldn't want to be playing them if I'm a team up high in the standings. If I'm the one seed in Philadelphia 76ers and the Raptors are sort of breathing down my neck as a potential 1-8, not a chance. They have championship experience. This is a good team that has been afflicted by circumstance and injury and all matter of things that have gone wrong this year. They're in a position now to kind of get rolling and roll into the play-in. I will have more broken down as the Raptors return to form against the Nets on Wednesday night with another episode of Lockdown Raptors. Tune in later on tonight. I got to say, he brings up a good point. I hadn't really thought about that. If they get in the playing game and then they get the eighth seed, yeah, I wouldn't want to play Toronto. I mean, I'd rather play Atlanta, New York, Indiana, Miami, just about anyone but the Raptors. Interesting because I, you know, I'm not sure. Look, the Raptors are going to be the toughest team if they can, you know, they're way tougher than Washington, tougher than Indiana, tougher than Charlotte, no question. I think Miami is still a little bit of a sleeping giant if they can get their guys healthy because of how they can match up with um, other players. Look, Toronto's had some trouble, you know, defending inside. Do they have a great positional matchup for Embiid at all? I would say no. Um, you know, the, the fact that they're not going to beat themselves in the playoffs and they're going to play hard and together, I mean, you can count on that. But I'm not quite as scared of the Raptors as you are. Here's how I want to frame it. You know, this race for the one seed, we just talked about it in the Western Conference. I think it's pretty important in the Eastern Conference, too, because if you get the one, you know, right now, potentially, look, if Charlotte holds on, you get Charlotte. Second round, maybe you get New York. And then conference finals, you get Brooklyn or Milwaukee. But if you get the two seed and you're the Nets, you could be looking at a, a path of Miami then Milwaukee, then Philly. I think that the, the two seeds path is much, much harder there, uh, you know, just given the star power on those potential, uh, you know, those potential opponents. So, you know, Brooklyn's not really in a position health-wise to chase the one seed. So I think it really favors Philadelphia. If they can hang on to that, I actually think they're going to have an easier path. Even if they were to get the Raptors in the first round, I would prefer that path a lot more than needing to take on, you know, potentially Miami and Milwaukee just to get to the conference finals. And, you know, for Brooklyn, the big question is, can you keep all the stars healthy together at the same time? 
those sound some like you know some long physical series if you have to play the Heat, the Bucks, and then the Sixers, and that's where it gets to be a little bit dicier. You know, rewind one month, I would have said Brooklyn's strong favorite to come out of the Eastern Conference, but if they have that tough path, I would I would uh, you know kind of come off of that previous sta- statement just a little bit. I would agree with you. I think the one seed in both sides is really important for, because the thing I think hasn't been talked about enough is that the eight seed will have already played two games. And so you just have a huge advantage on preparation and rest and everything else. And I think that particularly in the West where every other series is going to be a bloodbath. If you can get through the first round in five games, it's a, you know, and suddenly you're rested, then you go take the advantage of the next series as well. Uh, The only thing I would disagree with you about, I think Boston will be in the four or five area by the time this is done. Um, I think they're going to catch it. I'm with you. I'm with you on that, especially because of this Trey young injury for Atlanta. I mean, they feel a little bit inflated, um, and, you know, it could wind up – the crazy thing is it could be Boston-New York in a pretty interesting oh, first-round series. I wouldn't have said that, you know, even two weeks ago, but imagine that for a 4-5. If it's Atlanta-Milwaukee, what cha- – does that go on um, True TV or does that go on, like, Bravo? <laughs> or, like, where where do they put Atlanta-Milwaukee? I, I think that goes closed captioning or a closed-circuit television, rather, in the Boonholzer household. I think that That's you know, the his family is very interested in, in that matchup and nobody else. One question on the Brooklyn Nets. We'll do that in a second. Plus, the Hawks and the Knicks played a big one. We'll touch on that as we run through last night's action of the NBA and the biggest stories of the league every day here on Locked on NBA. 30 minutes or so. We're going to be a little long today. Apologize. But right now, it's time for... What time is it, Ben Golliver? Rock Auto. You know me. Big auto guy. So glad to be, uh, you know, just sharing that experience with all the listeners. Do you um, have... The you you didn't have you had to write your book which we'll talk about in a second, um so you didn't have time to to fix the car this this summer is that the real that's the whole real thing that you were writing the no book? I mean I didn't hardly I hardly have driven during the pandemic but it's nice to know that my car is in tip top shape thanks to Rock Auto there we go RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for twenty years go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers why go to a brick and mortar store be subjected to their lack of inventory then the fact they change their pricing for professionals versus do-it-yourselfers then the fact that whatever they have in stock is what has to fit your car instead of the massive stock of catalog of the unique remarkable easy navigate and old school rockauto.com quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands and specifications and prices you prefer and best of all prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals as do-it-yourselfers so why spend up to twice as much on the same parts go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available right locked on in the how'd you hear about us section amazing selection reliably low prices and all the parts your car will ever need it's rockauto.com ben golliver is with us the book is out i have it on my bedside table i'm at 89 percent in the book i'm finishing on kindle it's my next read i'm super excited about it how's it going ben going well uh, i was number one on new releases on amazon two weeks out before the release date so i was feeling great about that and i've gotten some awesome feedback from your locked on nba hosts who have been kind of perusing it um, as we've been talking about various chapters uh, over the last week so i'm feeling great and people could find it on amazon like you said kindle um, as well it's going to be an audible version uh, barnesandnoble.com powell is wherever you get your books did you do the audible version I did. You know, it's it's a humbling experience to read your own words back aloud and you're, you know, you're going through and making self edits and you're like, God, why didn't I use this word? So if anybody wants to feel pity for me, go ahead and, and order that. 
but I, I think it's going to come out pretty good. I was, I was proud of how I read it, but I had to use a little bit more professional, you know, book story type voice as I was reading it than I normally do here when you and I are talking about rock auto and the Brooklyn Nets and all that good stuff. That's pretty crazy. Congratulations. It's so cool. Are you like, um, by the way, the book is Bubble Ball. I, we've mentioned it before. I don't want to assume knowledge here. Um, go check it out at Amazon. Bubble Ball. It's available. Hardcover. Kindle. Inside the NBA's fight to save a season. What is the part of the book you're most proud of? Well, this is kind of a quirky part of it, but I took a whole bunch of pictures when I was down there in the bubble, uh, like, you know, probably thousands of photos. And I was actually able to get a bunch of the photos in the book. Some of them are from post-game press conferences. Some of them are just like around the bubble to give you a feel for what it looks like. I love photography. So I was like super flattered when they're like, sure, you could put your pictures in the book. And we were able to get that worked out. In terms of the actual text itself, um, you know, I... (laughs) You know, I, I, you, I would ask you, like, what are you most proud of about your kids? And you'd probably say the whole package, right? I, I think that's kind of how I feel about the book. Uh, you know, it's it was a labor of love. It was a passion project. Uh, I look at it as a time capsule for the craziest year that I've covered for the NBA in 2020. And I just tried to go through the entire highs and lows and capture that experience of what it was like to live there in Disney World. Even some of the pain that you and I felt when we were podcasting, we weren't even sure if they were going to finish the season Remember that we're debating all these different ways they might try to salvage the season down there um, in a bubble environment. So I tried to capture all those those mood swings um, and then also just, you know, like the the funny and quirky interactions that took place, uh, you know, down there at the bubble as well. So, um, you know, I just I'm glad that people are going to finally be able to read it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I'm always going to remember the first book for sure. And, and hopefully someday there's another one. You know, who knows? Are you nervous? I don't know about nervous. I mean, look, I'm, I'm kind of weird. I write for myself and I really don't read like my Instagram or I don't read my like Twitter comments. I don't really read retweets. I don't read a lot of uh, reader emails or anything like that. So if I'm happy with it and I'm a perfectionist, that's enough for me. Uh, but of course I would love people to check it out and, and let me know and, you know, tell me if I'm crazy in some part or tell me if they agree or if I sparked a memory or, uh, you know, I, I try to get into a lot of different topics, you know, social justice, activism, the health uh, situation, you know, the protocols and how they kept people safe and the challenges there, the ethical challenges, the financial situation facing the NBA, which was massive, especially coming off of the China controversy with Hong Kong. I mean, I think it's just a lot of stuff that will make you think and, and make you even just reminisce on what a crazy year it was last year. So, um, you know, from that standpoint, I, I think uh, if you enjoyed the bubble, you should enjoy the book. I, I'm pretty confident I captured all the different layers to it that made it so special. Uh, Bubble Ball's the book. It's on Amazon. Uh, Cleveland beats Chicago tonight, 121-105. Quickly, we're on rapid fire here for a second. Chicago's 5-10 and and going to miss the playoffs. Does that make the Vukovic trade a failure? Um, No, because I think that they were trying to build something towards the future and, and pair Zach Levine with another star. But I guess my question is this. Is calling Chicago, you know, having two all-stars kind of similar to what we used to say when Minnesota traded for two number one picks and they got Wiggins and Anthony Bennett? It's like technically true um, that they're both all-stars, but like, are they really all-stars? Are they really needle-moving type guys? I think it's a fair question. Certainly, they didn't think this trade was going to coincide with a fall out of the playoff picture, but give credit to some of the other teams that are rising up. You know, as, as we heard earlier, Toronto's trying to get some momentum. And Washington's been pretty darn hot. I won't say red hot, but pretty hot. And so it's not just about what Chicago isn't doing and and some of their health problems with Levine. 
it's also about some of the other teams gaining some momentum. The Wizards win 118-114. They cool down Steph Curry, who's been breaking the NBA game. To Sean Woodley's piece earlier, who would you play, want to play less, Washington or Toronto in a playing game? I think I would want to play Toronto less. I think that, you know, with Washington, the defensive questions are still there. They actually just lost their uh, rookie, Denny Abdia, to an injury um, as well. So they're going to be a little bit thin. Um, I just don't think that they match up all that well. And, you know, even though their guards are playing great and putting up big numbers, I think there's some real questions about, you know, how does Westbrook translate in the playoffs? How does he handle himself when defenses are daring him to shoot? Um, you know, how does he, you know, he could be picked on and targeted defensively. Does that wind up being an issue? I personally, I would rather play Washington than Toronto in the postseason. Knicks and the Hawks played today. Let's get both sides of the story. Here are the Knicks first. Hey, didn't see you there. What's that? Oh, you, you want to know what this is? That's actually the trophy you get when your team wins eight games in a row. I know most of you don't know about that, but you see, I'm the host of Locked On Knicks, Gavin Shaw, so I know a little something about winning eight games in a row. That's right, the Knicks beat the Atlanta Hawks tonight, 137-127 to 127 in overtime to claim sole possession of fourth place in the Eastern Conference. Gotta say, never thought I would see the day, but the Knicks continue to surprise. Julius Randle scoring 40 points, his second time this year scoring at least 40 against the Atlanta Hawks, but I would go so far as to say he wasn't the story in this one. It was the Knicks' depth and how they all came through. Down three centers, Mitchell Robinson already out with a broken foot. Taj Gibson getting hurt early in this game, missing the rest of it. Nerlens Noel busting his lip wide open, missing a quarter and a half, then having to come back from that. And it wasn't just him. Reggie Bullock dropping in six threes. Derek Rose, his third straight great game, guiding the Knicks through regulation. A combo of threes, pull-ups, drives to the rim, high-level passing. He scored 20 points before fouling out. Then Emmanuel quickly coming in in his stead and hitting a big three to all but put this one away down the stretch. He finished with 20 points as well. Made a number of big plays in terms of his shooting and getting to the basket. R.J. Barrett had a stone-cold start, one for 11 in this one. Made five of his last seven shots, including a mind-bender of a pusher falling out of bounds. It was a total team effort for New York. They are doing unbelievably well. I'm ecstatic. I have nothing else to say. I hope all Knicks fans enjoy their trophies tonight. Eight-game winning streak for the Knicks. Signing off, Gavin Shaw. Well, the Knicks have a trophy. The Atlanta Hawks have a concern with the injury. Let's go to Brad Rowland. Hello, friends. My name is Brad Rowland, and it was a tough night at the office for the Atlanta Hawks in New York. First, an overtime loss for Atlanta. They definitely battled and scratched and clawed their way into this one. They were leading by eight points when Trey Young went down at the end of the third quarter, and that is really the biggest story of this game. Trey Young leaves with an ankle sprain. That's what the Hawks are calling it right now. He looked to be in some serious pain. He had to be helped off the court and into the locker room. Moved out quickly after that. And the Hawks are just a different team without Trey Young on the floor. Obviously, this is a big game for Atlanta facing off against the Knicks team that is competing with them directly in the playoff hunt. But as soon as Trey Young goes down, that becomes the biggest story of the night. To their credit, the Hawks did rally late, coming back from seven down to force overtime on a three by Bogdan Madonovich. But from there, it was all Knicks in the overtime period, and the Hawks suffer a loss to fall out of the fourth spot and into the five spot in the East. Still, all the focus will be on Trey Young's ankle, and also Clint Capella went down pretty hard on his tailbone in the fourth quarter, ended up staying in the game. That's something to watch as well. Plenty more to take on about this Hawks team, but for now, we'll have more on the Locked On Hawks podcast. Thoughts on this one, Ben? 
I would just say, I mean, you know, kudos to the Knicks fans who are dancing in the streets. They look like they're having so much fun and like go run with it. You deserve it. You've definitely paid your dues and, and earned it on Atlanta's side. We were talking about some of the play in, um, you know, chases and how close they were in the West. It's absolutely true in the East too. I mean, if, if Trey misses some time here and he looked like he was in a lot of pain when he went down and had to be helped off. I mean, it's so tight there, you know, basically a game and a half separates four and seven this injury could potentially drop them into that play in when they were, you know, kind of cruising along there recently, especially since the coaching change. Life gets a lot tougher for them if they drop to that seven seed and now they have to either play like, say, Brooklyn um, in the first round or, you know, they even just fight for their playoff stakes. So it's just terrible timing for a team that really, really has been playing pretty good basketball here the last two months. He's Ben Golliver. I'm David Locke. That's a run recap of last night's action. There's a bunch more to talk about. And things, we'll deal with that next week, we'll talk about. But today, that's what we have time for. Tomorrow, Anthony and Adam will step in on Locked On NBA for you. It's all coming up here on the Locked On Podcast Network.